It's the year 2021, and the church is acting like it is 2019. That's the last year there wasn't a global pandemic. One year into this gig, we are doing our best to help the church into a post-pandemic future. We are Zoom pastors for our landline church. This is the Millennial Pastors Podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Pastors Podcast. My name is Eric Parker. And I'm Courtney Reedman Parker. And in this episode, we are talking about interim ministry, ministry between times, usually the time between pastorates, and that in the church today, all ministry is interim ministry. Yeah, interim ministry. It's sort of a new for the church concept. It's only been around for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, but that's new in the land of the church. But maybe we could talk a little bit about what interim ministry actually looks like. We know the definition of interim, but what does that actually mean? Yeah, I'm really excited about this episode. And interim ministry likely means a lot of things to a lot of different people, depending on who you ask. And so this 20th century model of interim ministry uh, bare bones vice pastor so make sure sermons are preached and services are conducted but then also something that grew out of this was an intentional interim where you can take training and even have specialized calls to ministry in the same way that somebody may be called to chaplaincy in a prison or hospital or university context that there are people who are called to intentional interim ministry. Um, Maybe for congregations following significant conflict or a long-term pastorate. And sometimes when you're not really sure what you're transitioning from and to, simply in the midst of a call process that you would have intentional interim ministry. Right. So, so interim ministry is this sort of thing that arose in the 20th century when probably churches became much more, you know, formally institutionalized and needed to define the role of somebody who wasn't just a regularly called parish clergy serving in you know a parish somewhere but who was doing the work of a pastor between times and but really is maybe probably began as something that was an issue of classification but grew into something that was about some actual important work maybe people realize that that some some work done by a pastor or a priest in between pastors was actually helpful for ministering contexts. Absolutely. And then there's the, what we've called unintentional interim ministry. Um, so pastors who may or may not have training as, as interim pastors, but doing day-to-day ministry, perhaps on a contract or by, by call, 
without much um, view to the arc of a congregation's life or without specific areas that they're called to work with a congregation on before or while they're in the midst of a call process for a more, we'll say, quote unquote, permanent pastor. So why don't we unpack a little bit these different sort of kinds of interim ministry that we have encountered that you and I have probably encountered in our in our time in ministry and and what they actually look like. So we started we talked about the bare bones vice pastor, the intentional interim and the unintentional interim. So have you ever been in a context where there's a vice pastor it's sort of a archaic <laughs> archaic form no no i i'm not actually sure what a vice pastor is to be perfectly honest i always just nod along when somebody talks about a vice pastor i've asked for a definition but it's still elusive so so here's a true confession on my part i don't know exactly what it is either i i know that they are used in saskatchewan in the Synod of Saskatchewan. And I've never heard the term really used anywhere else, but people seem to know what it means. Who are these people? I feel like we're people. <laughs> okay, older colleagues seem to know what it is. But um, what, what I understand it to be is like the pastor of another church who is sort of responsible to your congregation that is without a pastor to look after your sort of pastoral care needs, uh, maybe do some like support to your council, and maybe there's some Sunday morning stuff. I'm not entirely sure, though, um, how that actually all works, whether it's paid or unpaid. And the only reason I kind of know this is because I've seen then uh, like on a church sign that was searching for a pastor, vice pastor, and the name of another pastor who I knew was serving another church. And so I could only sort of piece together, well, what what would somebody who's serving another church provide for a congregation in transition? And it would just be some like very bare bones support would be what I imagine, like funerals, um, weddings, maybe baptisms, and maybe some Sunday morning support, whether that's providing a sermon, whether that's an after Sunday afternoon service, who knows? But it's just like getting a congregation through from one pastor to the next is what so I So if you're listening and you know what a vice pastor is or you're functioning as a vice pastor, please send us an email or look us up on our Facebook or Twitter and send us a note to let us know what a vice pastor is. Okay, so vice pastors, elusive, almost sort of like pulpit supply plus. So pulpit supply being when you come in and lead a service on Sunday morning. You just parachute in from, you know, heaven, parachute out of heaven, drop down, preach a sermon, and disappear. With, Preside at the sacraments, then off yeah. you go. Sure. So, and that's certainly one form of interim ministry that congregations choose. Sometimes it becomes their permanent form of pastoral ministry is basically a, a fee-based supply. supply, which is usually concentrated in Sunday morning and 
leading worship, preaching, presiding at the sacraments, presiding at a funeral or a wedding. Sometimes contracts out to, oh, we have this confirmation student. Can you come teach confirmation? And in some contexts, this goes on for decades because it's certainly cheaper than calling a full or a half-time or even a quarter-time pastor. Well, and supply, supply pastoring or supply pastors are really um, come out of the need for your, your act, your currently serving pastor to have some weeks off, right? So you get sure. a retired pastor usually to come in for sort of a token fee to come and do some preaching on Sunday morning. But otherwise, you're not th- that pastor isn't taking on really other responsibilities for the ministry. So I think maybe talking about the unintentional interim will lead better into what intentional interim ministry is. And so I think unintentional interim ministry is more than supply. It's more than just a parachute in for a Sunday morning service, but somebody who takes on sort of the day-to-day service level functions of a parish pastor who, you know, is looking after Sunday Sunday morning worship, looking after the weekday ministry, who is basically, but isn't the regularly called pastor of a context and just sort of placeholding until the next the next thing, right? They're not there to shake things up. They're not there to make any changes. They're just there to make sure the congregation has the ministry that it needs from one day to the next. from And from one pastor to the next, from one pastor right? To the so next, yeah. your pastor takes another call, retires, leaves the congregation for whatever reason, and... Dies in, in the pulpit. In... It's so, happened. So dark. And so whatever that time is between when the pastor leaves and the congregation calls and welcomes a new pastor that you would have someone doing some amount of regular consistent ministry in the congregation. Yeah, and it's it's often particularly centered around sacraments. It's around visitation. A lot of the things that we often reserve whether formally or informally for pastors and yeah. sort of say that, you know, as a layperson you don't or cannot do this. So that leads us into what an intentional interim is, which is more than just the day-to-day, more than just getting you from yesterday to tomorrow, but about getting you ready for tomorrow, getting you prepared for the new thing, getting you sort of in the mindset of leaving the past behind, leaving sort of conflict or leaving your, you know, your loves behind breaking up with your former pastor really and doing it well and moving on to what is to come next and being ready and prepared and sort of open to that next thing while dealing with the baggage that you might have right now if that's necessary right so even if you haven't had a significant conflict which is what i think a lot of people think intentional interim is for and it and it is and very valuable for that type of situation in a congregation that intentional min- interim ministry is is just as important in contexts where there has not been 
significant conflict, but that you are moving from one time period of ministry to the next and from one leader, pastoral leader to the next. Right. So you're, you are helping congregations sort of actually move into their future, right? Not just about holding on to the past. And, and this idea that it's only for conflict is sort of incorrect because there's a whole lot of actually other more difficult things to navigate than I think conflict. I think church conflict is relatively easy because conflict arises from the fact that people care about things. And it can be hard and difficult to make us uncomfortable. But we actually have a lot sort of other worse behaviors, toxic behavior, um, you know, a, a sabotaging behavior in congregations that can often be addressed in interim ministry and really set off sort of your next, your next adventure in a relationship with a regularly called clergy person for some good ministry to happen. Sure. And likely a lot of the ministry that happens in intentional interim around conflict is actually systems-based, mm -hmm. right? And changing the system. So if you want to know more about that, you'll have to backtrack a few episodes where we talk about systems and congregational systems. But this idea that congregations like families are systems and have ways of being and that if we are not aware of those pieces that are potentially unhealthy or toxic that that is where ministry can really get derailed that conflict is no longer a healthy conflict of people having different perspectives but that it gets rooted into into the system in some in some unhealthy ways. So we have these intentional interims who are who are really sort of getting at the systematic behavior of congregations, hopefully helping them transition from one reality to the next and doing all that goes along with that. But it's maybe worth considering where did this idea of intentional interim ministry come from? And I certainly have not done extensive historical research into this, but I have a few guesses. And I don't really recall hearing about or knowing about intentional interims much until probably the 90s at some point or the early aughts. The, now, know. to be fair, we weren't really paying attention before then either. but. I digress. But we do know we do know that call processes were really transformed in the 90s which sure was connected to interim ministry I think. And and I suspect it's not just about institutional classification which is what interim ministry sort of as a whole maybe came about because but but more about our good friends at the Alban Institute uh stressing the importance of long-term ministry and long-term pastorates because i think about you know knowing my grandfather who started serving in 1948 and i think served until the early 80s i think all of his calls but one were were less than five years long and then maybe he had one that was 13 years 
Right. And the Alban Institute is in, was encouraging in long-term pastorates, like a minimum of 10, 20, 25-year pastorates as, as a really good way to, for ministry to be healthy and strong, uh, at least in some of their literature. I wonder, I haven't checked recently, but I wonder if they're still, still promoting the idea of long-term pastorates. But I digress. Um, and so, but probably out of this promotion of the long-term pastorate, came the need to help congregations transition from a long-term pastorate, that there was probably more baggage than having just the person who came for three to five years, did some stuff, used their bag of tricks, and moved on. In a way, you know, that didn't need a lot of intentional interim, but somebody who spent, you know, basically a generation and a half in a congregation, sort of, and, and for many people, they were the only pastor that they knew the only pastor that they knew in their adult lives, the the last pastor they had in you know decades, and to sort of get out of like this this very sort of uh, deeply rooted relationship of ministry and prepare for another sort of deeply rooted relationship of ministry. Yeah, I'm just thinking to some colleagues that I know in the U.S. who are Methodist and and they're their their system, their governance, their polity is that they often change calls much sooner than than we do in our tradition, right? And and not hearing from them about interim because it would likely be not seen as necessary if you've only been in a call for th- three to five years, that you would need that intentional time. Yeah, because in a way, all these short three to five year pastorates are are essentially a version of inter- intentional interim ministry, right? They are doing the things that sometimes intentional interims are doing. It's sort of like we're going to have a 25 year pastorate and then we're going to have this sort of three to five year pastorate from before that we actually knew, but somebody that's more than just place holding, somebody more than supply but not somebody who's going to, you know, baptize our children and grandchildren or who's going to marry us and marry our children, or, you know, bury, bury and baptize half the congregation throughout those 25 years, right? It's, it's, it's less than that, but it's still, it's still a rooted, connected, ongoing relationship of ministry that, you know, not just sort of, you know, that's the person who's there for now, but we're really waiting for the person coming next kind of ministry. Yeah. It's a consistency without having commitment, if that makes sense. Because in my experience of interim ministry, serving as an interim pastor, is that it is very difficult and in some cases impossible for people to form or want to form relationship with the interim pastor because they know you're not going to be around for very long. If you start out on a six-month or a one-year-long contract with a congregation, which is likely not full-time, it's full-time, maybe two-thirds or three-quarters time, a person who, especially if they've just had a pastor for 10 or 15 or 20 years, is caught 
sort of in between a rock and a hard place of wanting the pastor to know them in the way their previous pastor did, but not really wanting to put in the time and energy to form a relationship with the interim pastor because you, you know that they're going to be going because that's their job <laughs> is they come, they do the thing while you're calling another pastor, you call your pastor and then the interim leaves and goes to the next thing. And it's the same as an interim, especially if you're not full time to be having that time to form those relationships. And that's one of the pieces that for me was always the piece about parish ministry that I missed the most in interim ministry was not making those connections and acknowledging that it wasn't because we didn't want to make them, but because there was not time. There was both not time in, in, my, in my schedule of here are the things that we want and are contracting for you to do among us. And also there wasn't the, there wasn't the commitment from within the congregation with the exception of a few leaders in the congregation that you'd get to know a little bit more closely um, or families that you would work with by virtue of there being a death or a wedding or a baptism. And so you'd get to know them a little bit better, but those sort of, regular day-to-day interactions and welcoming the pastor into your into your life does not happen in six months time unless one of those life events happens has been my experience we'll be right back in a moment The Millennial Pastors Podcast is made possible by a grant from the Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada. The Manitoba Northwestern Ontario, or MNO Synod, is one of five synods of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, or ELCIC. The synod covers 54 congregations in Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario, from Brandon, Manitoba in the west to Thunder Bay, Ontario in the east, and from Morris on the U.S. border to Thompson, Manitoba, bordering on Canada's north. With a baptized membership of 17,000, the MNO Synod is headquartered in Winnipeg. The Synod serves 54 congregations through the Ministry of the Bishop's Office and working in the areas of youth and young adult ministry, missions, outdoor ministry, social justice, ecumenical relations, stewardship, and guiding ordained ministers and pastors through call processing. The MNO Synod can be found online at mnosynod.org and on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out if you want to find a congregation in the MNO or if you want to know about their work. You can check out dictionary.com if you want to know what the word synod means. So we've been talking about how intentional interim help congregations transitions transition particularly after long-term pastorates from one reality to the next and that intentional interim is possibly based on the idea that if you're transitioning from one long-term pastorate to another that the interim is getting you ready not for a three to five commitment 
three to five year commitment, but for the next 10 to 20 year commitment. Right. And I think that comes with a lot of assumptions baked in about ministry in general and about interim ministry and the relationship between the two. And so I think some important questions need to be asked, right? Um, if intentional interim is departing from, is about helping a congregation depart from one reality to the next, what does that tell us about sort of regular ministry? Right. What does it say? What are we doing just when in those, in those 10 to 20 years? Are we not moving from one reality to the next? Are we just staying the same? And I think there, there are certainly some questions about what that all means. And, and maybe even questions about, you know, what, what are those three to five year calls that most congregations knew as the norm for the bulk of the 20th century until maybe the last 25 years or so? What, what were those ministries about, right? If in three to five years, you're basically doing sort of in, intentional interim ministry, what does it actually mean? Like, how do we feel about those things? If you're, you can't get to know the pastor and the congregation don't get to know each other so well. Like, you know, I think it, this idea of intentional interim about interim ministry, about long-term pastorates really reveal some of the, the thinking that is sort of predominant these days about what um, a relationship between a clergy person and a, and a ministry context looks like. Absolutely. And I'm also thinking as we're having this conversation about what likely changed in the world and culture that would have this shift from these shorter pastorates to longer pastorates. And I'm, I'm wondering how much women entering into the workforce played a part, if not a large part, in shifting that dynamic because it's a lot harder to move when you're considering two people's vocations. Yes, yeah. When you have to when you actually had to think about the pastor's spouse and family and and if they are ready to move and and bishops and you know church judicatories thinking about how to manage, you know, their clergy and their congregations. And yeah, there's a, it's a whole sort of complicated web. Of right. It changes relationships because I think too, you might be as a, as a pastor or a deacon, you, you might have a sense that your, your ministry has, con has concluded or that you have done what you have been called to do. You might not know where you're called to, but have this sort of sense. But maybe your spouse isn't ready to move or doesn't want to move or isn't able to move because of their work or simply, I, I like the city we live in. I like this neighborhood. Our children are happy. Our family is here. Our friends are here. Right. And there are all of these different dynamics and the way that we even understand our sense of call, I think, has changed from what it was when, say, your grandfather entered ministry or 
colleagues who went through seminary and started ministry essentially as we were being born. Well, and I think about, you know, 1948 when my grandfather graduated seminary and was ordained. Actually, it's probably a lot more like 2021 than, than like, say, 1998 is like 2021. Because in 1948, right, it was he was going to seminary during World War II, going to university during World War II. Um, probably the idea of, of imagining what things would be like in three or five years is pretty difficult because people, people were used to thinking in short chunks, right? Crisis will do that to you. And and so there probably wasn't like people didn't think, you know, I'm going to start this this call in 1950 and I'm going to finish in 1970 or 1975. That could that was certainly the farthest thing from their minds at that time. And so this long term pastorate, this need for interim ministry, I think, you know, it it is born out of a changing world. But I also think it probably makes some assumptions about an unchanging world an unchanging ministry context right because in many ways you know 9-11 really changed that notion that the world can't rapidly change because i think the pace of change and the especially within the church throughout the 80s and 90s i think had really seen it go to like a predictable steady trajectory of some kind that most congregations were sort of on this path towards something and and there wasn't a lot of variation there wasn't a lot of variability there weren't a lot of threats to that that path and over the past 20 years since 911 that has really changed that that you know all of a sudden the world is a little bit more tumultuous there's a little bit more unpredictability and certainly in the last 10 years and the last 5 years the notion of thinking that that things are going to be the same enough for me to stay in the same context for for the next two decades are a little bit i i feel like they are presumptuous i feel like they don't acknowledge the reality of the world and so and so interim ministry and long-term pastors i think have had to really just as they were coming on the scene almost immediately had to be reformed and changed to fit the ministry context And you can see that in the way that people react to uh, call processes and the way people react to changes in ministry. Because people people are expecting to be settled. They expect things to be settled. They expect things to remain predictable and the same. And so often, you know, I've changed calls enough. I've had enough. I'm more like my grandfather uh, did ministry than the Alvin Institute suggested in ministry. I moved around a fair bit and and it's just amazing how surprised no matter where you go that people are that you aren't the same as your predecessor or you aren't even the same as your predecessor's predecessor or your predecessor's predecessor's predecessor right <laughs> they've been repeating this thing all over like they keep on being surprised that you aren't the last person right and they aren't surprised the last person wasn't the person before them and and so we are expecting some sort of consistency and so we want to be settled we want to we really bought into this late 20th century model of ministry that 
things are just going to slowly progress, right? The slow march of progress, well, the slow march of ministry towards, you know, this church that's just going to have ever more programs and more families and more people. And then all of a sudden, everything just changed. Well, it's this idea that, well, we figured things out. Yeah. Right? We climbed the mountain and now we're going to stay at the top. Right. Let us build our tent. Yeah. And settle in. Yeah. And then Jesus said, hey, no, (laughs) we got to go down there again. Yeah. It is unsettling, right? When you when you feel like you know and understand and are comfortable with the way we do things here, which often gets translated to this is how all churches well, all all churches do this. Tell me what Sunday morning worship looks like for you. I would say in an initial meeting with a congregation, oh, just the regular way. <laughs> you know, we just we just follow what is there in the worship book, except for they don't tell you the ten ways that they have changed or adapted, or they have their their specific congregational customs, right? That have evolved over time to meet and reflect their contextual reality, right? How they are, how they are living out um, the, the words and the songs and the practice of doing, right? Being uh, worship and church together in community um, and then are surprised when you, well, pastor, why didn't you know that we sing the Lord's Prayer? How did you not know that we pray the prayers of intercession from within the, amongst the assembly? How did you not know that we always omit this, that, or the other thing in the season? Yeah, I mean, it, it never, it was really, it was really pronounced when, I was I was working on this shared ministry experiment going some like on a Sunday from you know one congregation to the next and week to week another like so the the two congregations I was at one Sunday was not the same as the two congregations at the next Sunday or the congregation I was going to be at the Sunday after that and everywhere I went they were all telling me like this is we just do it we just do it the normal way and the normal way is different in every single one and it drove me and the other pastor that you and I both worked with bananas, <laughs> right? And we thought like we gotta find a way to somehow like make this simpler. Cause I, you know, cause because you learn all these quirks, but then you can't remember which quirk belongs to which place. And you are you're in, you know, doing the quirky thing from one place in the wrong place, and people just look like you have like, you know some sort of uh you're having some sort of brain malfunction like what is what is wrong with this person why are they doing that well all oh, right the, these people do that thing not these people so so yeah i mean this this notion that congregations and folks who you know love who have been in the pews for years the same pew for years um really sort of lose perspective sometimes on 
on the fact that the way they do things is not the way everybody does things. And that's, you know, and for most people in the pews, that's totally fine. It doesn't actually matter. But for those of us who are sort of coming into ministry and in ministry context into parishes, you know, and coming in and out, whether it's, you know, week to week or sort of our ministry time to ministry time, right? <laughs> These things are important for us to sort out. Well, y- yes and no, right? And and this is why we're proposing that all ministry in the 21st century is interim, because if we only have one way or model or method of doing anything, how can we be changed? How can, how can we be open to the Spirit of God living and breathing in us, changing and turning our hearts and our minds and our bodies to see God active in a new way? If there's only one, one way, and I know there are lots of people who are listening who are saying, but we're very open to change <laughs> in, our, in, in my congregation, our congregation. And I'm sure that's true to an extent. But in my experience, the reality is that the types of changes that congregations are usually open to are not the changes that the church needs to be doing to move from where we have been in the 20th century to where we are in the 21st century. I'm going to take it a step further and say, if you are a congregation or a ministry context that has to say, we are open to change, that is kind of like somebody saying, I am not a racist, right? It is, if you have to say it, it's probably not true, right? The congregations that are open to change don't even know they're open to change. It's because it's not something they think about. If you have to think about how this change is going to work here, you are probably not that open to change. Well, change often, usually, almost always, comes with some level of discomfort. It's like breaking in a new pair of shoes, right? The first few times you wear them, especially for a longer period of time, by the end of the, of the day, your feet hurt because they're not, they're not used to the, the shape, right? And the, and the shoe has not formed to your foot. So there's, there's some time that needs to happen between the, between the two, right? Before you're, you're walking and thinking, I'm, this is comfortable, right? This is, I'm not worried about getting a blister or losing my balance. Right. I think, I think there's a reality of the 21st century that that is condensing ministry relationships right you know um decline with declining resources shrinking membership aging membership 
yeah, it's going to put pressure on ministry, but also a changing world, right? We are having change socially, politically, economically, technologically, those changes, all of that pushes, puts pressure on, on congregations, on parishes, on clergy, and it's going to shrink the amount of time that you can do viable ministry in a place for whatever reason. And, and I think that it's something that we don't talk about. You know, when bishops show up to a, a parish and they're dusting off their call process manual from 1992 because that's the last time they had to, to use it, you know, bishops probably need to start talking about, okay, this next pastor you're going to call is not going to be your forever pastor, right? They're not going to be your next 25-year pastor who's going to bury all of y'all and your kids will call the next one. Like this might actually, you're going to have to prepare for probably a pastoral relationship that's going to be shorter, All right? Maybe it'll be 10 years if you're really lucky, maybe 15, but probably it'll be five or seven or three, right? So there's probably going to be this, this shorter time. And certainly this pandemic is doing the same thing, even shortening probably some pastorates, maybe not all, but shortening some pastorates out there that coming through this kind of experience might bring some congregations and their and their pastors together you know but for a lot of places it might be hard to have led through this change and to be the person who's going to sort of see the congregation through through the sort of post not the post pandemic but the post recovery from the pandemic right and you know we don't all get to be like it's like Moses right <laughs> he wasn't he led through the wilderness but he had to hand the reins over for the promised land. And, and I think that in, in many ways, like the 21st century has had so many things that are just going to keep shortening, shortening pastorates that we're going to look a lot like probably those three to five year pastorates of the, the mid 20th century, than the late 20th century Alvin Institute, you know, long-term pastorate, long-term ministry relationships. So most of us will not have static pastorates that last for 10 to 20 or more years because the things we will do won't be whether or not we install screens or get a website which we're going to be doing those things <laughs> those things will still be happening um or mevos like we're getting but from one reality to another and and that's where the interim piece really comes in is when you are working with a community to identify who we are and who is God calling us to be. Where is God calling us to move to? Right. And we're going to have to lead congregations through change. And, you know, that was probably one of the things in 2000, the summer of 2009, when I started my very first call, I couldn't have been longer than a month or two that I was there, that it just, this sense sort of smacked me in the face that I was doing interim ministry, right? That I was going to be helping this. I had no intention of leaving at that point. I, I even still, knowing that I was doing interim ministry, imagined like, oh, I'll be here for like seven years and then I'll go to my next call or whatever. But I still knew that like my job is to help these people is to lead them through change, to lead them from what they understood the world and ministry to be 
when I got there to something that matched a little bit more closely with reality, right? That matched a little bit more closely with everything outside the walls of the church rather than walking into this time warp every time you cross the threshold of the, the doorway, right? We, we, it's 2009 outside, but it's 1989 inside, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, and so I just, I mean, it's the whole tagline, iPhone pastor for a typewriter church, right? Or as we said last time, Zoom pastors for landline churches. It's this notion that like, you know, it, it's interim because we're helping con- congregations from that one reality to the next. And so it has to be interim ministry. It has to be in between ministry. And I can't really imagine that my career in ministry won't be sort of something that is, could be defined as an interim helping congregations move from one reality to the next. Maybe by the time I retire and whatever my pension plan statement says 2092 or whatever it's going to be <laughs> won't be in ministry but won't be interim by then but but you know like i just think for for at least a while longer especially as people live longer especially as people remember the past as we have like five generations in most congregations that we are going to be leading people through the process of accepting change embracing reality and moving into the future. And maybe this pandemic will actually accelerate some of those things, right? We're all online now. We're all doing, we're all doing um, social media ministry and virtual ministry. But that's not, that's not the change that we're talking about, right? We're talking about really sort of understanding that we are different and the way we relate is different. And we cannot, we cannot continue to do ministry like it's 1989 anymore. We have to think about, you know, how it's 2021 and I don't even know all the answers to what that means and what that's going to make us look like right but 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 I do know that we have to work at getting there right and we have to talk about how things are different and how things are changing and that the more we have those conversations the less time in ministry the you can only have those conversations so many times with a place before people are like okay we've heard enough of you time to move on And that's why it's all interim ministry. Thanks for listening. So, uh, where can people find you? I'm still hanging out at home, following public health orders. If you'd like to find me on social media, you can find me at Courtney Reedman Parker on Facebook, over at our congregation's page, which is at Messiah Lutheran Winnipeg. You can also find me on Twitter at Reedman Parker and on Instagram at Reedman Parker. Oh, at C Reedman Parker. Better get that right. That right uh, name there. Who am I? That name, the right handle. Right? And of course, you can find me where it all began at themillennialpastor.ca. You can find both of us on the Millennial Pastors Facebook page, the Millennial Pastor. You can find me on my church's Facebook page. Uh, Sherpark, Sherwood Park, Winnipeg at sherpark.ca, our website, and uh, on Twitter at Parker Eric. The Millennial Pastors Podcast is made possible by a grant from Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod, whom you can find at mnosynod.org. 
The Millennial Pastors Podcast is written and produced by us, the Reverend Courtney Reeven Parker and the Reverend Eric Parker, with our theme song provided by Lutheran Outdoor Ministry in Alberta and the North, and all other music provided by Audionautics.com. This has been a couple of Zoom pastors for a landline church. We will see you on the other side. Bye for now.